came to real was when I looked down at the floorboards and I saw scratches leading all the way to the door. Did Ashley Tyler really go missing? Did she really get sucked up in a beam of light from another life form? Or is this all another Blair Witch bullshit story that has us freaking fooled once again? KK, welcome back to Horror, Wine, and Crime. So, before we get started, I'm adding to my favorite podcasts. What are you adding? Let me tell you what I'm adding. All right. <laughs> okay. So, we all know my bestie Dax, armchair expert, like, number OG, one. yep. Okay, then I started listening to Big Mad True Crime, Totally Love Ashley. She's so good. Raw, and I love it. Um, with the risk of losing some of my street credit with my true crime peeps, um, I am adding welcome to the OC bitches. Um, I loved the OC. I recently watched it again. Um, but I love Rachel Bilson and I just want to carry her in my pocket and take her out and talk to her and hang out with her when I can. And then also the girl that um, portrays Julie Cooper, which was Marissa's mom. I know you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but you will one day, I promise. Yep. <laughs> Melinda Clark um, is doing the podcast with her, and it's all about the behind the scenes, the characters, they interview the characters of the OC, so it's very fun for me. And, 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 I was driving down the road and I was listening to it, and they always start with, welcome to the OC, bitches. And guess what? I just had, poof, a moment. I am from the OC. Okay, not California OC, totally different. I don't have the tan and <laughs> all that stuff. But Oakland County, I am from. Oh, snap. So OC. I feel like I can say, welcome to the OC, but you know what? To come over, I can say it to you. You totally can. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. And then also... Um, Back to get some cool credit back from our uh, horrid murder fans. I am adding my favorite murderer podcast. I really like them. They are just super chill. They're funny. They tell the great stories. So they're definitely going on my to listen list. Yeah, you told me about them and I still have to check them out. um, But I'm definitely excited too, just from what I've heard from you. And yeah, I have never seen the OC. So I'm so sorry I can't uh, revel in your excitement. Um, but no, hey, no street cred lost from me, at least. I, I listen to Bachelor and Bachelorette podcasts, so I have no room to make fun of you, so. <laughs> we do have our Jersey Shore moments together, so. Again, yeah. I'm going to stop talking about that stuff, because we're going to lose fans one by one here. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Come back together. We're, uh, we're talking horror today. Today, we'll be discussing the truths and the BS of the movie The Fourth Kind. Um, we will be drinking Lakeshore's Peaches and Honey Wine, which is, if you listen to our last podcast, um, or maybe two ago, I don't know, what is time, um, 
This is another purchase that we made on our Saga Talk trip. Um, and it's delicious. Love me some peach wine. And while we sip this, uh, let's find out if the fourth kind was real or was America duped yet again. So the fourth kind is a 2009 American science fiction psychological thriller film. It was directed by, excuse me if I pronounce this incorrectly, Alatunde Asunansami, and featured the cast of Mila Jojovich, Elias Kotias, Corey Johnson, Will Patton, and Charlotte Milchard. The title of the movie is derived from the classification of close encounters with aliens called the fourth kind, uh, which basically means alien abductions. Now, I'll kind of go over that further if you guys aren't sure what that means as far as the classification types. Um, so there are six different encounter types when it comes to making contact with an alien species. Um, I'll briefly go over them here just in case you're not sure of what each of them are. Uh, and of course, we'll be specifically touching on the fourth kind throughout this entire episode because obviously the fourth kind is the title of this episode. <laughs> So, Close Encounter of the First Kind. This is visual sightings of an unidentified flying object, aka a UFO, um, and it has to be less than 500 feet away, I guess, to be considered uh, the first kind. Which, you know, I'm just gonna say I feel like I've seen a few UFOs in my, in my life. Were they shooting stars? Were they airplanes? I don't know, but in my mind, they were UFOs. Legit. <laughs> Now, Close Encounter of the Second Kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect occurs, such as an interference of electronic devices, a physiological effect in the witness, or a physical trace on the ground. So like, you know, the crop circles, for example, that everybody kind of likes to talk about a lot. Like movie science. Exactly. <laughs> Close encounter of the third kind is interaction with an actual alien creature. Um, you know, so basically you're walking and you bump into the friendly neighborhood alien. Uh, you kind of see him across the way. So that, if that has ever happened to you, I mean, please immediately contact us because we have to know about this. But also, um, yeah, you just saw an alien <laughs> in your path crossing. Uh, and the one we are touching on today is, of course, the close encounter of the fourth kind, which, like I said, is where someone, you know, they draw the short stick and they get abducted by aliens and taken away. Sometimes they come back and sometimes they're never seen again. So I guess it kind of depends on if you have a friendly alien or not. <laughs> And Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, this is communication between you, a human, and an alien. And kind of side note on this, if you're fascinated or even somewhat entertained with the topic of aliens, you should definitely check out Dr. Stephen Greer's documentary called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, Contact Has Begun. It documents how he hosts these camps around the U.S., um, possibly in other countries. I honestly can't remember, but I know for sure it's all around the United States, um, where they go into like a desert type area and practice this this kind of deep meditation, I guess is the easiest way to describe it. And they actually make contact and see aliens. Now, I know, I know it sounds so crazy, Um but Dr. Greer has been doing this and studying this type of contact for years and years, and he has a ton of people attending these events and coming out saying it's completely real. 
Um, even celebrities like Demi Lovato have come out and said that um, they've gone to these camps and that it's real. And actually, if you go on her Instagram account, you can see a video of some of the apparent UFOs when she's attended this event, which is kind of cool. Um, so I know it sounds basically uh, absolutely nuts, but I mean, if you watch it, like, I don't know, am I kind of crazy to believe this guy? No. And let me tell you why. I'm going to tell you. So, again, my bestie, Dax, um, I listen to his Armchair Experts podcast, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, But they do a few side shows intertwined with their main show. And then, so there's Armchair and Dangerous, the segment that they've been doing. And they did an episode on UFOs. It was quite interesting. I think I was a little bit of a believer at the time they were done. And I don't know, like, they're just saying, like, could this world be a pit stop for them? I mean, if they do, do they turn around and leave? I'm like, fuck that country. They're nuts. <laughs> what so a like, piece of shit that place is. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> That's why they, you know, turn around and leave. Um... But, or are they dropping them off? And if they do, like, they were just going on to, like, they could be in human form. And we would never even know. Like, everybody thinks of aliens like Men in Black. Yeah. Or weird-looking, slimy, long-fingered, neon-green alien guys, right? Yeah. But what if they're just as human as we are? Like, how many do you pass on the street and not even know? Like, just because they're aliens, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're out to hurt us. Or, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we're trying to get to Mars. Yeah. To see if there's other, like, like, what if there's another whole world like this? Then are we the aliens? Like... Yeah, I mean, we're technically aliens to other planets and life forms there because we're not from there. Right. So they talk a lot about that. Uh, They mentioned a lot of, like, is... America or this world, maybe even bigger, a simulator? Like, do is somebody, like, playing us? Is somebody, like, are we really not even here? Like, is this just all a facade? Like, is it just a game? Like, they talk a lot about that. I mean, and the chances of us being, like, alone on this planet without any other life form, David Ferrer is the guy that hosts it with Dax, the, the expert that he talks to. And it's like, he seems to be like, yeah, it's very slim to none that there's no other aliens on this planet. Like, they're there. We just don't. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. And I didn't go into a whole lot of what they talk about because that could be another whole episode of typing. Yeah. But if you do like Dax Shepard, and if, even if you don't, um, I would go on his Armchair Expert and it's on there. And listen to it. Um, it's definitely very worth listening to. And they make a lot of good points. And I'm like, oh my god. The time I was done listening to it, I'm like, dude. Right? I mean, I'm not, like, taking a flight out to Area 51 yet. Yeah. But <laughs> I do believe, like, they had me convinced. Like, okay, okay, I see you. Like, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, it's crazy after, like, watching certain documentaries or listening to certain podcasts and listening to people who, like, actually really study up on this type of thing talk about it it's like so convincing where I'm like okay 
I feel like this is real. Like, am I nuts? But I feel like it's kind of real. And like, I don't know about the whole simulation thing, but I've heard, yeah, I've heard that's become a big theory lately. And excuse me, if this is a simulation, could you like, I don't know, help a girl out, make me, make my life a little bit uh, better? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we'll, I mean, maybe, maybe one day, like, my husband will come home and me and you'll be sitting on our couch with our aluminum foil hat, making <laughs> signs, drinking some wine. Honestly, we should do that anyways, just to freak him out. <laughs> he honest, he probably wouldn't be surprised, though, with us. He'd walk in the living room and be like, nope. And he would turn around and walk back out with more over errands. 100% facts. <laughs> oh. Or he just totally wouldn't be surprised and be like... Yep. Yep. <laughs> As expected, again, walk out the door and go to errands. Either yeah. way, I think it has the end effect to be the same. Yeah, true, true. I think we, uh, we kind of, we're a little on the goofy side, so he never probably knows what to expect with us. <laughs> but anyway, okay, we're on to the sixth and final encounter. Uh, now keep in mind, this one is, yeah, this one's a little crazy for me, um, the close encounter of the sixth kind is intimate contacts with gods, angels, and demons. You know, casual, just like an intense attraction between you and the alien forms creating like this uncontrollable urge to be with each other. This one's kind of funny to me. Like, I can get on board for all the other ones, but this one's like a little bit of a stretch. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, I watched it and... We'll just talk about it and then we'll... Anyway, so the movie, The Fourth Kind, is a pseudo-documentary. Pseudo-documentary. There we go. <laughs> Which is basically a film that takes a form or a style of a documentary film, but is scripted and fictional elements are used to tell the story. Hence the Blair Witch. Um, this film reenacts the so-called true events that happened in a small town of Alaska. The film's story revolves around an incident that occurred in 2005 in which some native men traveling from the smaller villages suddenly went missing. The FBI, FBI looked into about 20 cases through which they came to conclude that alcohol and frigid temperatures were the reasons for their deaths. However, Nine bodies were never found. The film is based on those disappearances and frames it as alien abduction to create a story that somehow fits the form of a documentary realism. Yeah, so kind of just to give a summary of the movie, for those of you who may not have seen it, um, so this film takes place in the town of Nome, Alaska, and kind of a weird, cool thing about this town is that you literally can't drive into it. Uh, you, like, you can't drive there at all. The only way in is by sea and air. Um, so kind of already getting eerie vibes from that place just starting off because it's, like, limited options on how to get there and leave there. At the beginning of the film, Mila Jov Jovovich, who plays the main character, is on the screen to inform the audience, so us, that she will be playing a character based on a real person named Abigail Tyler and that the film will feature actual footage of the real Tyler. And at various points throughout the film, these real footage scenes are presented side by side with the filmed movie scenes. 
The film takes on sort of like a storytelling vibe where it briefly flashes back and forth between the present day Abby Tyler, who's in an interview talking with Chapman University about the situation and like everything that happened to her. And then it'll flash back to the film with the actors portraying these scenarios out. So in the interview, she describes a series of events that occurred in Nome, Alaska that lead to an alleged alien abduction in October 2000. We then flash back to the movie where we see that it's August of 2000 and Abby's husband, Will, is mysteriously murdered one night in his sleep, leaving her to raise her two children, Ashley and Ronnie, alone. Abby is a psychologist, so her patients know her as Dr. Abigail Tyler and her late husband, Will, was also a psychologist. We see Abby go to work and then talk with several patients who are experiencing and describing the same events. The videotape hypothesis... Hypnotherapy sessions. Thanks. Uh I just want to say it. I'm drinking some wine and I started with a Malibu, so... (laughs) She's getting into it. (laughs) Kind of double-fisted here for a second, so... I love it. Um, so So she has the patient's the sessions with three of these patients who have the same experience. Every night, a white owl stares at them through their windows. Abby hypnotizes the two of them, and they both recount similar terrifying stories of creatures attempting to enter their homes. Tommy Fisher, which is her first patient, he goes under hypnosis and refuses to admit what he sees. We basically just see the side-by-side video of the film and these archived videotapes where he is sobbing about his underlying memory of the night that he jumps off the couch, knocking things over, basically just panicking. And Abby has to pull him out of the hypnosis hypnosis to calm him down and have him head home. Later that night, Abby is called by the police to go to Tommy's house where she finds him holding his wife and their two children at gunpoint. He insists that he remembers everything and keeps asking what a Zimbayu eater is. Did I say that right? I think so. I don't know. Um, (laughs) He basically looks terrified as an insulting, insinuating that he has to kill his family and himself for safety. Abby is on the phone with Tommy, looking inside the window and convincing him to stop what he's doing, put the gun down, and everything will be okay. But despite her attempt, he ends up shooting his family and then turns the gun to himself. This sad, or this part was so sad to watch, especially because, um, you know, they had this so-called archived footage um, along with the film footage side by side. Um, and it was just really, really realistic looking because, you know, I mean, this happens a lot where... I mean, I'm not talking about alien abduction. I mean, where people kill their families, basically a murder-suicide situation. And, yeah, it was really chilling to watch for me because, you know, it just, you hear the gunshot and it kind of just sends a shiver down your spine. Yeah. Um, Another patient of hers, he was a more willing patient named Scott. He wanted to talk more with Abby. He admits that there was actually no owl. Um, the owl was just kind of like a facade, I guess, that the... I mean, they don't know about the alien situation yet, but that they used. 
and he keeps referring to them. But he really can't remember anything further than that, but does say that he knows why Tommy did what he did. Later on, he insists Abby to come to his house to hypnotize him to get something seemingly like horrific out of his head. Yet he won't say exactly what it is that he's like picturing in his mind. Abby agrees to come over and while he is under hypnosis, his body suddenly jerks upright and like begins to hover above his bed while a distorted electronic voice coming out of his mouth tells Abby in the language of Sumerian to immediately end her study. After the hypnosis ends, um, we see Sheriff August telling Abby that Scott had three upper vertebrae completely severed from this experience, and he's now sadly completely paralyzed from the neck down. Um, I mean, because in the video you even see like his body, like kind of twisting almost. Um, so you can imagine that did some serious damage to his body. Um, and since two incidences with her hypnosis have gone terribly wrong, you know, one family being killed and now this man is paralyzed, uh, Sheriff August believes that Abby is responsible and he tries to arrest her, but Campos, who is, he's another psychologist co-worker, he comes to her defense and confirms her side of the story because he was just with her at Scott's hypno hypnosis, so he kind of saw everything that was going on and she wasn't doing anything intentionally to get him injured. So instead, August makes her basically on house arrest and he has another cop guarding her home, kind of as he's just like figuring everything out. After hearing the similarities in their stories, Abby suspects these patients may have been victims of an alien abduction. Um, she even believes that because she was a victim of this as well, there's evidence that she herself may have been abducted. Um, this is kind of the scene that you hear at the beginning of this episode that we played. Um, so we see her assistant at work give her a tape recorder. Um, so the night before she was recording talking on it for research um, about these patients and their experiences with this owl and everything. But she fell asleep and her recorder was still recording everything. And when she was playing it back the next day, it was playing the sound of something entering her home and attacking her. The attacker speaks an unknown language and Abby has no memory of this incident or anything happening. So obviously she's horrified listening to it because she doesn't remember anything happening at all. And later, Abby is going through her husband's old things and she finds the contact um, Dr. Awalawa Adsuami. Uh, Again, sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Um, but he is a specialist in ancient languages. She sees that her husband had previously contacted him. At this point, she's like convinced that her husband experienced the same thing as her and her patients. But like he ultimately died um, and maybe even possibly got killed from them. So she calls this doctor, Adsuami, to identify the mysterious language on the tape she has and he does ultimately identify it as Sumerian. Now, flash forward to the police officer watching Abby's house. His dash cam footage shows a large black triangular object flying into view. Um, unfortunately, the video then distorts, which again, um, this was also another side-by-side -side part where they had the archived footage along with the movie footage. Um, 
Uh, but the officer is heard describing people being pulled out of the house and calls for backup. Basically, like, being lifted out of the house up into this triangular flying object. Deputies rush into the house. Um, they find only Ronnie and Abby, and Abby's screaming that Ashley was taken into the sky and abducted. Sheriff August is he's not believing her abduction theory. He basically thinks she's crazy and he accuses her of her daughter's disappearance and he ends up actually removing her son Ronnie from her custody and Ronnie goes with them willingly because he also does not believe the abduction theory Abby claims either which that part was kind of like I mean they were both in the house like wouldn't you think that he would see if she was getting abducted or or I guess see if like Abby was taking her somewhere or killing her or something. I don't know. He was pretty skeptical about it, though, too. Yeah, it kind of hurt my heart for Abby because her son turned on her. Yeah. And But at the same time, I had the same thoughts. I'm like, you know she didn't leave. The other cop from the dash cam that was watching it even came running up saying, dude, I saw this, I saw this, there's the light. They took her. They, like... Yeah. So he was trying... But the other cop, again, was just blew him off no you know stop this nonsense type whatever but yeah that um that scene was kind of rough for me too i'm just like she didn't leave she didn't leave the house so even if she killed her daughter the body would have been in that house you would have found it yeah i mean it was under surveillance with the cop being there and yeah that also kind of confused me i guess because if this other guy is confirming her story who works for you He's not in on it. Like, why would he just say that? Yeah, I did feel bad for her, too, because, I mean, she lost her husband. Then she just lost her daughter. And now her son, the only person left in her family, is turning his back on her. So, yeah, that was a really uh, sad moment for Abby. Yeah. So, Abby undergoes hypnosis herself in an attempt to make contact with these beings and bring her daughter home. Campus and Adesami are... There to help the videotape, videotape the session. Once she's hypnotized, it is revealed that Abby witnessed the abduction of her daughter and also shows scenes of her own abduction, showing part of, showing part of the abductors, um, the ship, and it was hinted that they possibly took some human egg cells from Abby as well. Abby's body levitates and twists up in the same way that her patient Scott did, and during the hypnosis session, the camera scrambles, not fully picking the video anymore, but again, the scene where we see it side by side with the film and the so-called archived videos. Abby begins, I'm sorry, Abby begs the alien that abducted Ashley to return her. The creature replies to Abby's body saying that Ashley will never be returned It then calls itself Savior, and the father finally ends with, I am God. Which, this part scares the crap out of me, and I think just the voice, and, like, it was saying, paired with her body, the formations, it was kind of like a little scare factor. Yeah, um, this part, the first time I saw this movie, like, this part, yeah, scared the shit out of me. Especially because... Like you said, it's paired side by side with this this supposed real footage. So you're like, what the F is happening? This is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. 
when the encounters end, um, Campus and Odesami, they rush over to the now unconscious Abby and then notice something out of the camera's view. The camera scrambles again and the scary voice comes back yelling, Zambayu Eater. When the camera view clears, it shows that all three of them are gone. And in the present, the real Abby states that all three were abducted during the hypnosis session and no one has any memory of what happened. Now we see Abby then wake up in the hospital after breaking her neck in the abduction. There's a sheriff August reveals that Will, her later husband, I'm sorry, her late husband, had actually committed suicide, meaning that Abby's belief that he was murdered was merely delusional. And later it was shown that Abby is paralyzed in the wheelchair due to her neck injury. Now, commit suicide, but he died next to her. Yeah, I think what they were saying was that she was so wound up finding his dead body because she was sleeping next to him. So he's saying that he killed himself sleeping next to her and then she woke up and he was dead. And like, I guess she just thought in her mind, like she had some delusions that he was murdered. Um, and you kind of see in the film too, she has these like visions of this, um, I don't even know this machine. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like a pointy machine that like, it's like a screw almost going into his chest. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying. Like, be, I don't know, I feel like it'd be hard to do a suicide. Like, right next to I mean, unless he took some pills and went to bed and fell asleep. Right, yeah, so I don't know. I think the, the film was kind of leaving it like, was she crazy and, like, just really traumatized and delusional from, the you know, the trauma of her husband dying and she just thought that somebody murdered him and he actually killed himself? Or... You know, did the aliens actually kill him and she saw it and they just thought it was a suicide because there was no, like, obvious evidence of aliens killing him. They did a lot of making you get in your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, flashing forward uh, back to her interview at Chapman University, Abby has asked how anyone can take her claims of alien abduction seriously if she was proven to be delusional about her husband's death. Abby states that she has no choice but to believe that Ashley is still alive. And, you know, she's really sticking to her, her story of her being abducted and her daughter being abducted and all of this happening. Um, the interview ends as Abby is breaking down into tears. It's really sad. Um, and then as we get into the film's epilogue, it states that Abby was cleared of all charges against her. Uh, she ended up leaving Alaska for the East Coast, and her health has deteriorated to the point of requiring constant medical care at this point. Campus remains a psycholo- uh, excuse me, a psychologist, and Dr. Adusami becomes a professor at a Canadian university. Both men, as well as Sheriff August, um, they refuse to be involved with the interview at all while Ronnie remains estranged from Abby and still blames her for Ashley's disappearance. And sadly, Ashley herself was never found. Uh, The credits for this movie were even cool, too, because instead of, like, a song playing like the majority of films do, 
Um, it actually played different calls, like real life phone calls that people were making to report UFO sightings. So it was just interesting to listen to that as like the movie kind of faded out as well. Just a side note. So yeah, definitely a crazy movie right there. Now, I always thought that this was a true story and that Dr. Abby Tyler and her children and these people were all real and the archived footage and the interview in the movie I thought was all legit as well because, you know, that's what they told us. Um, so after watching this movie, I wasn't like 100% sold on the fact that it was aliens, but I for sure thought something bizarre was obviously going on, especially because of the so-called like footage presented throughout the film. Yeah, when you told me about this movie and suggested I watch it, mm-hmm. and I did, mm-hmm. even though my daughter did not want to watch it, I put my girl, big girl pants on and watched it by myself, <laughs> and... I'm like, okay, so, you know, good call, KK, you know. Thanks, thanks. Okay. But so then I started researching it and doing some of the, looking up at the behind the scenes stuff. And that's when I'm like, call me, call me now. What is this? Is this bullshit? Is this not a real thing? Like, did you trick me? And you were just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I was so confused because <laughs> I had always, I this movie came out... I think I might have said the year, but I can't remember. But I was 14-ish at the time when this movie came out. I was like middle school, early high school. Um, And I just have always thought that it was real. Like, I thought that it was just a true story because that's what they told us. I thought that footage was all real because that's what they told us. Apparently, don't believe everything you hear. No, I thought you duped me because (laughs) when you told me to watch it, you're like, yeah, it's really cool. They They play the behind the scenes next to the real scene so you get to actually see live footage so i was like all into it and then i did the research and i'm like did my girl just play me for a fool like did i fall for it like the big fool's sitting right here in front of you because (laughs) i truly believed that for years and years and years oh and i was so mad um so yeah we just have another blair witch project type hoax on our hands here I'm going to start saying that you've been Blair Witch. Yeah, you've been Blair Witch. I'm going to start saying that when it's time for right? You've been Blair Witch. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so disappointed that this is fake. Because yeah, I legit thought that this actually happened. You know, they got me, man. They scammed me. So let's go over this big hoax and how they made it seem so believable. Am I the only one, by the way? Please let us know in the comments. Did you believe this? Did you think this was real? Or am I the only person in the world who actually believed them? So, first kind of hoax. First to promote the film, Universal Pictures created a website with fake news stories supposedly taken from real Alaska newspapers, including the Gnome Nugget and the Fairbanks Daily News Miner. The newspapers ended up suing... Universal eventually reaching a settlement where Universal will remove the fake stories and pay $20,000 to the Alaska Press Club and a $2,500 contribution to a scholarship fund for the Kalista Corporation. Um, Many people were offended that the film attempted to use the real-life tragedies of missing and deceased gnome citizens in order to make money using a fictitious story you know about alien abduction so like same i would be really mad too because that's shady and rude to the people who actually went through real life things 
But I do want to give credit to whoever named it the Gnome Nugget. <laughs> I know, I heard you laugh after I said that. <laughs> Sorry, my uh, maturity at the best. <laughs> no, that's a golden, that's a golden name. I love it. <laughs> um, next, the Abigail Tyler that we see uh, in the interview throughout the movie, the one who's the supposed real Abigail Tyler, Tyler the one, you know, who's crippled, um, and the supposed real life footage, it's actually not a real person. Uh, I mean, it is a real person, but it's not Abigail Tyler. And it's played by a British ex- actress, Charlotte Milshard. Uh, so this woman is not a psychologist. Her husband was not murdered. She was not abducted or attacked by aliens. Her daughter was not abducted by aliens. And she is not severely crippled in a wheelchair. What a scam! I'm mad. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that she's not crippled, and well, I'm mad yeah. that there's no murder, <laughs> and I'm a little mad that her daughter wasn't taken by an alien, but I'm a little mad that she wasn't, because <laughs> I'm like, dude, I hung on that, like, 20-something years she's been missing, yes. like, oh my gosh, and now I'm just like, whatever. Losers. <laughs> So, the film also claims that Gnome has been the center of an alarming series of strange disappearances, as we learned. So many, in fact, that the FBI has sent agents there ten times more than a much bigger entourage. The fourth kind is based on the testimony of psychologists who have found Circa? Circa, like like around 2000. um, That... Many of her patients reported walking, I'm sorry, waking at 3 a.m. with the sense of something was wrong. Is that like the hour? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't going know. Going back to Annabelle Horrors, 3.15, is like 3 a.m., is that like the witching hour? Right. I'm going to have to ask some of my paranormal <laughs> friends. Apparently, I think that is the witching hour. That's what I hear. So with the sense that something was wrong and seeing an owl with its eyes on them, but the film wasn't even shot in Nome, mostly in Bulgaria. And Dallas Massey, a retired state trooper who actually police chief in the town of Nome, says he's heard nothing about aliens and doesn't know anything about this. Until one person says it. <laughs> so, now in reality, about 20 people have indeed disappeared in the area since the 1960s, and writes the FBI stepped in reviewing two dozen cases, eventually determining that excessive alcohol consumption and the winter climate were a common link in many of the cases. Some of the dead were killed by exposure or from falling off a jetty into the frigid Snake River. According to the blog of the Anchorage Daily News Reporter by Kyle Hopkins. Yeah, so apparently, based on a true story, uh, it can be put in any film, and that just flies, I guess. I call to petition to make it illegal to put based on a true story if it actually is not based on a true story. I know, I know, it's crazy demands that I make right there, but um, clearly I'm upset and I feel personally attacked and victimized by the movie The Fourth Kind. Come at me. (laughs) You heard it first, Crystal's changing the laws, and the one that she's starting with is based on true story laws, so. <laughs> the important things, people, the important things. I'm going to go to our Facebook page, look up our petition. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
But yeah, that's the fourth kind. And I mean, it's still a good movie. I I would still suggest seeing it if you're into, you know, alien abduction, scary type situations like that. Um, good film, but really hate that they, for so many years, made me believe that that all actually happened. But, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the rants of Crystal. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I went off a little bit there. It's okay, it's okay. It's the peach honey. I mean, the, see, I can't even speak. It's the peach honey wine. And I'm not even double fisting like low, and it's getting me there. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> we better sign off before um, I go too far. Because it's like, I don't know, hot as balls in this room right I'm now. I'm sweating. I don't know if it was just me, but I'm like, oh my god, it's so hot here right now. I was like, am I just angry and drinking wine and that's why I'm sweating, or is this room 8,000 degrees? <laughs> I know it probably is. So on that note, um, again, check out our Spotify, CastBox. Obviously, you know that because you're on here listening. But <laughs> check out the website, um, Facebook. Again, leave your thoughts, your comments, talk to us about it, bring up highlights, lowlights, whatever you need to say, let us know. And, uh, yeah, it's really hot in here, so we got to go. Yeah. Stay creepy, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Bye.